As I get into the Word, I, uh, this week I heard an interview from was it Robbie Dawkins. And uh, yeah, Robbie Dawkins is a powerful, he has a ministry in Afghanistan. And also the man Barton that, you know, I forget his first name, but anyway, they're over there rescuing people. Yeah, rescuing people out of Afghanistan. But what they said, and, and both of them, you know, I know they're men of God, they said, now, yes, the Taliban is a great problem, especially now that we armed them because we gave them all kinds of weaponry. And uh, anyway, most of us have been grieved by hearing that kind of news. But he said that one of the bigger problems to their rescuing the Americans is not the Taliban, it's the American government standing in the way, resisting their efforts to bring in and rescue our people. So anyway, that's a... Uh, Crazy thing that's going on in the earth in this hour. Psalm 119, 158. You don't have to turn there, but I want to share with you what it says. It says, I see the treacherous and I am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Have you ever been disgusted by the things you hear, the things going on? Remember, righteous Lot. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2 that he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. And by all that he saw going on. But the key is back in Psalm 119. You don't want to stay disgusted. How many of you just know that? You don't want to stay disgusted. But over in verse 165 it says, Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing, say nothing. Nothing causes them to stumble. Say to stumble. Now it just happens. I'm, I'm so glad that Mark shared what he shared, but I'm in the midst of a series. It's called The Saints of the Revelation. And I want you to hear me out. Now, you may have some different opinions. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we can have different opinions, but the Word of God is the Word of God. And so, I'm not supposed to be addressing my opinions, though I have them. How many of you have opinions? We're supposed to be proclaiming God's Word and and lining up with what God, and especially in this hour. And I believe that He's speaking to us in some amazing ways. There's, uh, you know, let me just remind you, because before we pray in a moment, and ask God to help us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, I want to just remind you of some things, because we've been speaking about the book of Revelation. And one thing is, remember, there's a blessing just to read it. I heard that some pastors don't even go to this book. I can't imagine that. There's a blessing if you read it. There's got to be a blessing if you listen to it. Does that make sense? Secondly, it's a manual for the church at the end of the age. And if what Mark said is true, and I believe it is, we're living at the end of the age, we need the manual. We need to know how to navigate in this time. And then, but we know ultimately, is it an unfolding? It's the revealing of what? Jesus. It's an unfolding of Him. We want to see Him as He is. It's also a spirit. Of, remember the Scripture? It says the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. And so it is a marvelous unfolding end-time testimony of Jesus and also a glorious church, victorious church. 
Not a church that's in world or in bed with the world, but a church that has made herself ready, just as Mark just said. Are you guys with me? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 2. Now, this is amazing to me. Before I read this, I, I'm just going to be, be honest. When I, my first message that I ever preached, it was in my 20s, and I think I told you the title. I, I remember the title. It was, Who is on the Lord's Side? Let Him Come Unto Me. And anyway, after I preached that message, it probably lasted six and a half minutes. You know, I don't know. I can't remember, but somebody came up to me, and they said, you are a prophetic preacher. Now, I didn't know what she was talking about. The church I came in, or grew up in, I never heard of that. So I didn't know what they were talking about. But later on, I understood a little about, a little bit more. You know, there's prophetic evangelism. There's prophetic intercession. There's prophetic worship. What does all that mean? That means you're singing, you're prophesying, you're declaring the now word from the Lord for now. Does that make sense? And, and then I learned there's, you know, the gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet and all these various ways of which the prophetic is revealed. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. So what does it mean, prophetic preaching? Well, what I think it means is you get something out of the word that's not just out of the word, but it's out of the word for the now. And that's the way I've always felt and I've always believed, I've always prayed, God, let me preach as if it's the very oracles of God. You know that's what the Scripture says. Let him who preach, preach. Let him minister as, of, as if it were the oracles of God. And uh, so you can um, be the judge on all that, but I want to get in the Word and see what he's saying today because many people are facing situations in this hour that we must have answers to. You can't just go and hear somebody's latest fancy word. We need a thus saith the Lord. Does that make sense? Because life and death decisions are being made at this very moment. Career decisions. People's dreams. You're going to have... Anyway, I'm going to get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But look in Revelation chapter 2 verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works and your love and your service, your faith and your patience. Now, service and faith really means you're the outworking of your faith, the service, the things you're doing as a result of your faith. And how many of you know that faith without works is dead? It's no faith. Show me your Works and faith, and they come together, and we know that. We're not saved by works, but faith will produce works. And your patience. What does patience mean? Endurance. How many of you think we may have a few things we might need to endure in this hour? You can either throw in the towel or you can endure, but I would encourage you to endure until the end. That's what Jesus said. Okay, and as for the first works, the last are more than the first. So evidently they were doing a little bit more than what they started out with. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach 
and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. You know, God always gives people a time, an opportunity to repent. But how many of you know there comes a time when time is up? There comes a time when time is up. So this is what happened in this. Indeed, verse 22, I will... Now, who's speaking here? It's red. They're red letters, Jesus. And I gave her a time to repent. She didn't. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Now, I'm just reading. If you don't agree, you need to look it up. Look in verse 23. Jesus says, I will kill her children with death. Last time I read, that's the only way you get killed is with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. I wonder if the church in this hour needs to know that he is God. They need to know that he is who he says he is. And I will give to each one according to your works. And now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira, and many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. Do you think that's good advice? And he who overcomes and keeps my works, how long? And to the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and we see that defined. And verse 28, and I will give him the what? The morning star. Remember that. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, Lord, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for uh, how Mark set the stage. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for our time of worship. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that's come this way. I know that we don't just, we're not just happenstance flipping around in life. Lord, you said the steps of a good man or woman, they're ordered of the Lord. And so I thank you. There are people here today, there are people watching online that you've ordained they be a part and they hear this word. So we acknowledge, Lord, we need eyes to see, we need ears to hear. And Lord, I pray let the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And I pray, God, that, Lord, your word would go forth and all that you want to accomplish, let it be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Now, I believe that this scripture out of Revelation chapter 2 is a now word. And when I explain to you the context and what just happens to be happening right now as we speak, and many of you are going to have to deal with when you go out those doors, I think you'll agree with me that the Lord has a word for his people. Would God ever send us into the world and say, now you're on your own? That's not the kind of God that we serve. He's with us. Say, he's with us. The work he started in us, he's going to complete. We've already learned man will not live by bread alone. You're not just going to live by what you have for lunch. But you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We're going to live and move and have our being in Him, especially in this hour. If you're not in Him, you're not in a good place. If you're in Him, 
you're in the best place. And we already said he's coming for a bride that is pure and spotless. Now, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, let me just tell you, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How many of you remember that? And he's speaking about corruption. Just think about today, there's political corruption. Do you think there's any political corruption in the land? Yeah, we could spend a long time. You know, if you expose that corruption, you better be tall and carry a big stick. Because they're going to come after you. When I was a little, I don't know how old I was, but do you remember the movie Walking Tall? We especially wanted to watch that because they filmed one of the scenes where, I don't, I don't remember why the car ran off the bridge into the water and I don't know what happened, but I just, they took us to that bridge. And I remember seeing, it was a strange looking bridge in Tennessee. And so that movie meant a lot to me and when we watched it as a family. But the corruption has never been, I mean, what he faced. He was a small town sheriff in a small county in Tennessee. And all hell came against him for standing up against corruption. It's probably a million times worse today than it was in that small town in Tennessee. And then there's financial corruption. You know that scripture they told us, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then they explained it away. They said, no, that's not what that means. It means the love of money is the root of some kind of evil or something. They tried to explain it away. No, it's probably the root of all evil. You want to know where the evil lies, follow the money trail. And you'll find somewhere along the line, you'll find your source of corruption. And then there's media corruption. 100, I'm just going to tell you. Some of you have been around in this journey with me, being in this fellowship. And you remember I've shared with you the stories of how I preached in the Ukraine. Actually, it was the former Soviet Union. Remember that? Right before the walls fell, before communism fell, it was an amazing incredible preaching to people that had been bound up in communism for 70 years hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came to Jesus but I, I you remember I was in a ho- I was in the hotel and I wanted to see what a Soviet television program looked like so I turned the TV on and it was all fuzzy you could barely see it but they had this it was a children's program and they were carrying the American flag and I remember it looked like to me anti-American propaganda. So I thought I would alert the Lord. I was the only one in the room. The Lord was with me. I said, I wanted to tell the Lord, Lord, this is anti-American propaganda. As if I was, you know, making sure he understood. And anyway, in that room, it's as if the Lord spoke to me. And I know he, I heard God speak. Now, not audibly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It might as well have been audibly. But he said to me, there is more propaganda in your nation on a daily basis than there's ever been in the history of the Soviet Union. And at that time, I thought, God, how could that be? Well, today I know exactly how that could be. 100% of the time, 24 hours a day propaganda. Then, now stay with me. I have a deep respect for our medical personnel, doctors and nurses, my 
daughter is one of them. And we, some of the greatest people I know. But there is medical corruption in this hour. One of the most trusted, appreciated segments of our society. We've been stunned by the things we've heard. Doctors that have risen up to tell us the other side of what's going on in this hour have been silenced, lost their license. You know, I remember a day they used to encourage you to get a second opinion. If you try to get a second opinion about some things that are going on in this hour, you're going to be shut out pretty quickly. No second opinions here. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But you know we need a different opinion. I, uh, was it Saturday? No, Friday. Maybe Thursday. To me, the weeks are flying by. Does that anybody? It, this, where did August go? The summer's gone. Anyway, this pastor, Dave, Dana Coverstone, he's the guy that had these, uh, the word about brace yourself. Remember that, some of you? Anyway, I've not seen or heard from him in a long time, and somehow I was, you know, looking for something, and he flicked up, you know, he came, he, there he was. You know, that happens. Or did you send it? Oh, no, Shirley sent it to me, so sorry. It was, that's how it flicked up. My wife sent it to me. When my wife says, watch this, I watch that. So anyway, I'm watching Dana, and he has a dream. And it's the name of it is get out, of, get out while you can and take a lot of people with you. And he has a dream about how he's going into a hospital and he sees these great storms coming. And you need to get in while you can, but then you need to get out. That was the word, get out while you can. And those that remained in the hospital were destroyed by the storms. And I was thinking about it. How does any of this relate? Well, you just think of what's going on. I can see a lot of parallels. But remember Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Asa had a covenant to seek the Lord in all things. And those who did not seek the Lord, what would happen? They were put to death. So here's what the Bible says. I've always wondered about this scripture. Asa was diseased in his feet and he was very severe. He did not seek the Lord, but he sought the physicians. And what happened? The very next verse, he died. You read the verse after that, it literally says that Asa dug, obviously before he died, but he dug the tomb they were going to bury him in. He dug his own grave. Now, why does that? Now I know how that makes sense. Now I know there are many dedicated, unbelievably dedicated medical personnel. But I'm telling you, there is a corruption in the medical industry. And instead of putting your faith in what the medical profession says, you better put your faith in what God Almighty says. You better seek the Lord. He's the healer. There are many physicians, but He's the great physician. And in this hour, I'm just telling you, the corruption, and I believe God Almighty is going to shake that corruption to the core. Do you remember the bronze serpent they looked to to be healed? Later on, they made it their God. They turned it into an idol. And Hezekiah broke that idol in pieces. And God's about to break something in pieces that is captured. Many are running to the medical. Look, they're lining up. Help me. You're my Savior. No, they're not. They're not your Savior. 
and whatever they offer as a remedy. Now, I know some people. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Are you telling me do this or don't do that? You hear what the Lord tells you to do. I'm only telling you what God told me. I know some people that really believe they were to get this, you know, application put into their arm. And I thought, Lord, how does that fit? These guys know the Lord. Have they not heard what the other doctors had to say before they were silenced? If somebody's silenced, it's probably a good thing. You probably want to listen to what they have to say. But anyway, I thought about the Moravians. You know how the Moravians sold themselves into slavery in order to preach the gospel to the foreign, foreign lands? Maybe God's calling some people, hey, look, this is going to cost you your life, but it's worth it so you can go preach the gospel. I don't know. You're going to have to be the one who makes the ultimate decision. But I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. And it better not be about compromise. It better be you've heard from the Lord. Does that make sense? You with me? Some people are saying, why are you preaching that? Because these are the questions people are answering. And they're going to, have, they're going to make big decisions tomorrow, the next day. Then there's moral corruption. Boy, you could spend all day right there. Somebody said this. They said, a nation that goes profane will eventually go insane. Well, we're going insane. And then there's corruption in the education. Used to, you would go to college to receive an education, and I know you can still receive an education, but much of it is indoctrination. And you, if you don't know that, you just need to find that out. But the main thing that this is written about, it's religious corruption that God is most concerned with. Because if you read the subtitle of Revelation chapter 2, beginning in 18 through where we read, the subtitle is The Corrupt Church. How many of you knew that? How many of you think there's a possibility that before God deals with the media corruption, the political... Now, he, now he's going to deal with it. I think he's dealing with it now. But the, how many of you know there's a place in there to deal with the religious corruption? Because the Scripture says judgment begins where? In the house of God. Matthew chapter 13, don't turn there, but I'm going to remind you. It's how Jesus said, you let the wheat and the tares grow together until when? Harvest time. Do you think we're in harvest time? I can tell you, I know by what I've seen in the earth, and we're going to see in America, we're in harvest time. So at harvest time, who's coming? The reapers. What do the reapers do? They bring death. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Some of you are not going to agree, but you're going to have to take it up with him. I, I'm just reading what he said. At harvest time, the reapers will come. And they're the ones that are going to separate the wheat from the tares. You don't try to separate them. You can't tell the difference. I mean, there's some things that you can discern, but the Lord will separate them. And so he'll take the tares, and what's he going to do? The reapers. He'll bind them up in bundles toss them into the fire so they'll be burned. He gathers the wheat, and where does he put them? He puts them in his barns. He puts them in his barns for all that he's about to do. Now, we're going to get back to Revelation chapter 2. But judgment begins where? In the house of God. The book of Revelation, and we shared some things earlier, it's also about the unfolding judgments 
and how you and I should react when we see them begin to break out on the earth. Does that make sense? Because you could go insane in this hour, except that you know the one who is ultimately in control. And you know what the Word of God says. Now, if you are in a church, they never touch the book of Revelation. In this hour, you're going to have to figure it out all on your own. Because you need to know this is a manual for living in the times in which we're living. And judgment begins at the house of God. Now, I need to show you this first. Say, show me that first. All right, look over. Since you asked me that, I'll show you. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm glad you asked that question. Or you suggested that. But look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Because it's all going to fit together. The church has to be trained for what's coming. you got to be made ready. You have to be ready to endure. How many things should you endure? All things. I remind myself of that often. You ever feel like, just be honest, Lord, I quit. I quit. I'm, I'm tired of these battles. I'm not saying I always feel that way, but sometimes, how many of you feel that way? Lord, can we just maybe... You, anyway, it, it doesn't work. Look in verse 1. Therefore, say therefore. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind or same purpose. For he who has suffered in the flesh has done what? Has ceased from sin. Now look down in verse 12. I'm going to skip because we could never cover all of this. Because i got to get to what I need to get to. Verse 12. Beloved. Say beloved. How many of you are in the beloved? Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Have you ever felt like this is strange? This is crazy. This stuff that's happening doesn't make sense. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, what does that say? Blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and God rests upon you. How many of you think that would be a good thing? On their part, He's blasphemed, but on your part, He's glorified. Then He just warns us, don't, be, don't suffer because you are... You know, you've committed sin or you're in, you're a busybody and other people's matters. and You know, basically, you're where you're not supposed to be. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Now, this is the context of this verse. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first... That's what it says. If it begins with it first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, say the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, this is important. You'll see how it fits. But we need to just briefly look at this. Number one, don't think it's strange when suffering comes, right? It's not crazy. 
You're not losing your mind. It's part of the design purpose of God. And I'll show you that. Secondly, suffering is a fiery trial. If you go through a fiery trial, what will that feel like? A little hot. You know, there's the consuming aspect of fire, but there's the refining aspect of fire. You're either going to go through one or the other. Either you're going to be consumed because he's an all-consuming fire, or you're going to be refined by the refiner's fire. Does that make sense? If you had your choice, which one would you choose, A or B? B, the refining. In fact, you have no choice. If he's coming for a bride without spot and blemish, the bride is going to go through. How do you know that? Because Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Okay, the next thing is there's a purpose. Suffering is a purpose to try you. It's designed especially for you and for me. Everything that God has created is being tried and will be tried in this hour. Remember Psalm 11. You don't have to turn there, but it says, When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, what can the righteous do? Run for cover. No. No. Know that it's a test. God tests the righteous. We're being tested. And it's not a test to show how miserable we are or how much of a failure we are. It's a test to show us how faithful God really is. To show us that He is who He said He is. And then also, suffering is for the cause of Christ is something that really happens. It's not a conspiracy theory. I already told you. There are conspiracy theories, but the devil learned a long time ago, if he can label someone as a conspiracy theorist, it does two things. Number one, it shuts him up. Number two, it shuts you up from listening to what he has to say. And so you don't go there. It's one of the tactics of the enemy. And in this hour, these things are really happening. It's really happening. This is real time. The other, I don't know what day it was, we woke up and I looked over at Shirley and I said, Hey, Shirley, maybe all the things we're hearing that's going on, maybe it was a nightmare. And now we're going to wake up, and I'm going to go and find out none of that was true. It ain't happening. I woke up and found out, no, it is happening. It's happening. Say it's happening. You were chosen to live in this moment. This is real. It's going down in real time. So you better know how to handle it. The only way I know is to walk close to him, follow the Lamb wherever you go. But, wherever he goes, but you stay in the Word of God. And I think that's what we were being told. And then in times of suffering, we are to what? Moan and groan and complain. No, we are to rejoice. Now that, if you hear anything I said, if you could get to that place, you will have gotten to a wonderful location on your journey. Where when things don't work out, you learn to say, thank you, God. Hallelujah. You may not say it exactly like that. You may say, oh, hallelujah. I don't know how you're going to say it. But anyway, try to get there. And then the next thing, we are blessed. Remember Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall revile you, curse you, say all manner of evil against you. 
falsely. If I let all the people say, the things say, people say about me get to me, I would have been gotten a long time ago. You just be blessed. I'm blessed. God, thank you. They said, you, you should go to the Lord and say, God, they said that about me? Wow. I didn't know that. That can't be true. And most of it's not. Some of it might be. If it is, you get a chance to repent. And then suffering is an opportunity. Say opportunity. You get to partake of Christ's sufferings. The church has not learned much about that. But you get. You get to get in on the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. You need to learn that lesson. It is not something to dread. It's something you should look forward to. There's no amens. Surely say amen. You got to remember it's not the end of the story. Jesus endured the cross, suffered the shame, because he saw the joy that was before him. And that leads us to the next point. Suffering is not the end all. It's not the goal. Who was it? Job saw that there was an end intended by the Lord. And there's an end intended in all of this. And it's not for the world to decide the end. The end has already been decided. You've got to be encouraged. Suffering is divine. It comes in the context. This is the context of judgment beginning at the house of God. They never told me that when they quoted that scripture. They never told me it was in the context of your own suffering. And then you need to remember this, that the judgment that begins with the house of God, that God is not allowing it for destruction, He's allowing it for construction. Construction. Say construction. Now, he's going to destroy things in the world. But the, He's building the body of Christ. I will what? Construct. I will build my church. And He better build it, because the gates of hell are sure trying to bring it down. And the church he's building is going to be okay. It's going to provide or overcome, just as he said. Suffering for the believer is the will of God. It's part of uh, the fruit of the promise of God. The glory of the Lord will rest upon you. Remember Isaiah 60. The glory of the Lord. Darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall be seen where? How's it going to be seen upon you? Unless you go through what the Bible says you have to go through. It says in this context in the New Testament that the spirit of glory, the glory of Christ would rest upon you. Then the last thing, commit our souls to him as to a faithful. Say faithful. A faithful creator. Now we've been in the book of Revelation, so I just want to give a little update so I can get to the last thing. But I'm not finished yet, okay? I know there are many different opinions about the book of Revelation. There are people that look at it solely as an historical book. Some look at it as a futuristic only. I just happen to be the one that looks at it as all three. Because in that book I read, he's the one who was and is and is to come. So somehow, I don't know, may, you know, the Holy Spirit's the greatest discipler. So maybe he taught me this, but I believe it is about history, it is about the future, but it's about the now. And we're going to need it, 
especially in this now. And our hope is not in how he comes. Some of my best friends have different opinions as to when exactly he shall appear. We're still good friends. I believe it's all going to pan out. I'm just sharing with you what God has shown me. My hope is not in when he comes. My hope is in the one who is coming. He is coming. And that's the revelation that I most want to put my faith in and my trust in. And I know that the, the first church, well, you know, well, the, whatever it was, the believers, he came, they didn't, he didn't come the way they expected. Probably not going to come this way most people are expecting in this hour. We're going to need Mark's book to figure this out, along with God's book. God, this is a bestseller. Ours can be down the line. But just to remind you, we were, this was, I don't know, part one or part two of this series. I kind of asked the Lord, Lord, when can I get off of this series? It's almost as saying, you can get off of it when I tell you to. Because the people need to know what this book says. This is the manual. Who would go into a battle without a battle plan? And there are battles raging. So here we go. Number, here's some things we, we've talked about. There's war in the heavens. There's war in the heavens and there's going to be an outbreak of war on the earth. Jesus already said, I was disgusted to hear the news that we basically created an, a, a standing army by what we left in Afghanistan. And any veteran of of Afghanistan was probably appalled. And any soldier, man or woman, that died in Afghanistan probably rolled over in their grave. Of what we left, the weaponry, the, the Black Hawk choppers. My question is, who taught the Taliban how to fly the helicopters? If you go down that trail, you better be tall and carry a big stick. You, you, you know, you would think, though, with all that happened, and now what's looking like could happen on the Gulf Coast, you would think America might say, God, what are you trying to say? God, what are you trying to say to us? And some people are. And then the next thing, there's going to be great deception. Every single day that passes by, especially in this hour, everyone under the sound of my voice, and if you're not even hearing what I have to say, you're either becoming more and more a part of the spirit of Antichrist, or you're becoming more and more rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground. And it will come to the point where you will worship the Antichrist. How do you think that's going to happen? The whole world will marvel and follow the beast. I see it happening. They're being conditioned now to follow the beast. You're going to follow one or the other. Jesus said either you're for me or you're going to be against me. You can't have two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other. You've got to choose one or the other. There's only one way. You know, this week I heard in my spirit, and I wrote this down, very simple, but I, it's like the Lord said, remind the people that all they, although they must remember, although they're in the world in this hour, they're not of the world. 
We may be in it, but we're not of it. And the key to not being of it is to know who is in you while you're in this world. Do you understand that? And that's the key. We've got to remember. And uh, remember, was it last week? The Apostle Clifton Pettis was preaching on the sons of God. We've got to know who we are. You've got to know. All of creation right now is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And then another thing that we talked about, and we won't go into great detail, was these are the days of Satan's wrath. And it is great. And it's in the book, Revelation chapter 12. But the good thing, he sees his day coming. His wrath is only for how long? A short time. Remember, great is his wrath, for he sees his time is short. Say, thank God it's only short. And then we saw there's going to be great persecution. And I could go back into all that, but you know one of the hardest things for you and me to manage in this day will be to be persecuted by the very ones that we thought we could trust and the ones that we love the most. And if you've not been there yet, I'm telling you, it can happen. Not only can, it will. Jesus said, you'll be hated. And that's going to be one of the great... I'm just telling you, Lord, it's going to be one of the hardest things. But when it's hard, that's when the grace of God comes into the yard. That's all I know. God will be there. And then there's a emerging, say emerging, beast system. People say, I hear people say, ah, this is not the mark of the beast. It couldn't be. No way. I'm not saying it absolutely is. But I'm telling you, it's definitely a forerunner. And this is what the Lord... Thank God he helps me when I get ready to preach these messages. Because I have these little thoughts and I have to write them down or you'll forget them. So yesterday I'm on the way to the workout, minding my own business. This week I was able to work out three times. I try my best. Most times it's once or twice. This time I made it three times on the treadmill. Anyway, I'm I'm on the way and... I'm thinking about God. Some people out there say this is in no way the the beast system. Yet I read, I'm not going to go there this morning, but there's about 15 things that I see that parallel with the beast system in the Bible that are exactly what's happening right now. To the T, he causes all, both rich and poor. What does causes mean? He forces them to receive the mark. And that's happening. But anyway, I asked the Lord, God, what if it's not? Because I don't want to miss it. And here's what he gave me. He said, it's like a baseball game. You may not be in the ninth inning yet. But if you're in the second inning, things that happen in the second inning are going to affect what's happening in the ninth inning and will affect the end of the score at the end of the game. And I put all that together and the Lord's saying, you're in the game of the emerging beast system. And you better know how to recognize it. And you better not know how to respond. I'm not going to go into all those 15 or 16 things. Because we could spend the rest of our time. But anyway, in Revelation chapter 12 and 13 and all, we're going to need patience. Say endurance. Endurance. Do you think he's going to give us that? I promise you. He's going to give you the ticket to the train when it's time for the train to leave 
you're going to have what you need. And then there's the faith of the saints. We have faith in Jesus. In this hour, I'm going to need the faith of Jesus. Say, the faith of Jesus. Can I tell you, God's going to give you that. It's, man, that's why we're talking about these things. You're going to have the faith of Jesus. Because you're going to need the greater one to help you in this hour. Well, the greater one is going to help you in this hour. And then we see the examples of the overcomers. Now, what some people won't tell you is there's a time that you're going to be overcome. Even the people of God are going to be overcome. But it won't last forever. Because the only way to overcome, ultimately, is by the three ways. What? The blood of the Lamb. The word of your testimony. And you do not love your life even unto death. Many as we are speaking this morning, they're facing difficult decisions. Do I comply or do I resist? And I've already told you, you got to hear from God. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to proclaim the scriptures. And I see a parallel from this particular chapter to what's happening right now. Many will lose their job if they do not comply. Many will lose their opportunity to go to college. Many will lose what they've dreamed about, their goals that they believed for all their life. Many will be court-martialed from the military. You won't be able to attend a college or professional football game. You might have to stay home. You might be called a domestic terrorist if you refuse to comply. You could lose it all. But is that not what Christianity is? Jesus said, if any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up your cross means what? You die to yourself. You die to the things that were important to you. To seek that which is not of this world, but that which is eternal. Say eternal. He stamped eternity in our hearts. And there's something within us like that is what Jesus, when he could endure the cross and suffer the shame, regardless of the pain, because he saw the joy that was set before him. And the Lord has put something in us that can see that same joy. Another example, he said, what does it profit a man if he gains all the things that the world can give you, but you lose your own soul? Or what is it man, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Okay, how does this fit? Revelation chapter 2, let's go back. He says, hold fast. Hold fast, hold fast, hold fast what you have. How long till I come? This gives us a better understanding now as to why in the Revelation the saints were praying, even so come, even so come Lord Jesus. That means a whole lot more to us. Hold fast 
what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and I will give him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, let me give you some context, historical context. The church located in Thyatira was the smallest of the seven cities that John addressed from the Isle of Patmos. But the message is the longest because of the significance of what that church is going to have to face and have to endure, say endure, and to conquer, say conquer. We've been called not only to endure all things, we've been called to be more than conquerors. Overcomers, not then when we get to heaven, but overcomers where? In this life. That we're living in the real, the real life, not the make-believe. Much of the American gospel has presented a make-believe to the people. And so they're not prepared, they're not ready. It's all about one day or what was God wants you to know He's the God that was and is, is now and He is to come. He is to come. But He's the God who is. The one who is. But they were going to have to endure and conquer. Likewise, there's a call today to overcome and what is addressed in this specific letter. Now the message given to the church reveals a spiritual battle that is going to be waged on the earth during the end time. Some of you knew that. And again, am I saying this is 100% that hour? I don't know the times. I do know we're in the game. And what you do in the second inning is going to affect what happens in the ninth inning. It may be the seventh inning. We may be in the eighth. It could be the ninth. I don't know exactly that. You see, guys would know what I'm saying. We're in the game. This is it. People are being conditioned now to receive the mark of the beast. And they will do it gladly, and they will receive great peace when they receive that mark. You'll hear coming out of their mouths, I feel so peaceful. I feel so wonderful. Now the letter addresses an emerging darkness. So let me see if I can somehow bring all this together. It's, an, it's a demonic spirit that defines itself. It's called Jezebel. I have a feeling that this Jezebel thing that we're facing, and we faced it here. You faced it. There's a good possibility it's going to, we're going to see a na- in the nation a national or natural representation of Jezebel because there's something you know in the natural and in the spiritual what I'm dealing with is what we're facing in the spirit but this really happened in this church Jezebel gained a position of leadership and so she began to seduce and deceive the servants of God by her teaching she led many astray Deception to many to wonder from the truth. Now, this in particular, in this context, Jezebel leads them into immorality and idolatry. 
and into compromised, where they had to participate, and I'll share that in a minute, with, with the Roman religion. And, but it demanded that they compromised, so they ate things sacrificed to idols. Jesus gave her an opportunity to repent. As God has given this nation an opportunity to repent. I do not know if God has said time is up for repentance. I tend to be of the merciful kind. You know, I know it's His will that none should perish. My prayer is God have mercy. You know what I'm talking about. God have mercy. And He is a merciful God even in the midst of His judgments. Did you know that the Bible says that the wicked will not learn grace if God lifts His hand of judgment? The wicked will not learn about the graces of God. They'll continue in their wickedness, and their wickedness will overtake the entire land. Anyway, that's another different subject. If you've been around, we've been trying to stress that. A lot of people don't want to hear that. So they're going to be dumbfounded in this hour. They're going to say, what's in the world's happening? Are we going crazy? A lot of people will. A nation that is profane will go insane. We're just going to have to deal with the insanity, knowing that Jesus is in, in us, and greater is He that's in us than the insanity that's in the world. I don't know when the Lord says, okay, that's enough. But I see it in the Scripture. How many of you know? I see there are times when the Lord says, don't even pray for this people. I won't listen. That's it. The time is up. There'll be a time for us and the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon our lives to receive Jesus. Don't grieve the Spirit. Respond to Him while He's calling. But anyway, what happens is she does not repent and what happens? He cast her into a sickbed. Jesus cast her into a sickbed and those who participated in all that was going on with Jezebel and, all, and this spirit, this demonic spirit, into great tribulation. Say great tribulation. That's what it says in the book. And again, many can disagree, and those are my great friends. And they will, they will be. I'm not going to divide over issues about the second coming and the timing. I'm just telling you right now to the people of Afghanistan, this is great tribulation. Great. It could not be any greater. And the underground church, the second largest, I understand, underground church in the world, has been turned over to be slaughtered. And Robbie and Barton, they, yeah, they were sharing some amazing stories of deliverance and how many were having dreams as to how to get out Amazing testimonies, but others they were not. The testimony was that they shared in the sufferings of Christ. They and their children. Now Jezebel is an historical figure as well as a type of evil that will appear in every generation. She will arise again to sway the minds and the hearts of many, especially as this age comes to an end. Jezebel's mission is twofold. Number one, to thwart the purposes of God over individuals, over churches and ministries. We've seen, if you've been around long enough, you've seen examples 
where Jezebel sweeps in and through her seduction causes division, strife, and all these things. But also Jezebel will try to thwart the destiny of nations. You think that's possible for him to do for this spirit? It's absolutely possible. I believe we're about to see Jezebel arise in a national scale. But we got to learn how to deal with her in here. And then the second thing about Jezebel, her goal is to steal the inheritance designed for the people of God. There is an inheritance that he's prepared for you and me. Now, as in her day, Jezebel accomplishes her mission mostly by... You, you know how you can recognize the spirit of Jezebel? You'll hear terms like tolerance, diversity, equity. What's the other term they use? Yeah, all these things. You, it's things that are being promoted. But Jezebel taught the people to tolerate with what God said was intolerable. Do what is abominable, because it's not really abominable, even though God said it is abominable. Tolerate sin. Does that sound like Jesus Christ? Does that sound like the bride that He's coming for? And here the bride tolerated sin, and they were the most diverse group of people because they accepted everything that came along the path so that they were made right and ready for God. No, they're not ready. That's not the bride He's coming for. The only people that Jezebel will not tolerate is the people that refuse to compromise and back off of the stand that they have in Jesus Christ. That's it. They will preach to be tolerant. You know, I, we're, we'll tolerate, except you start following Jesus, and you will not be tolerated. You know what I'm talking about. So we got to get ready for this. Then you get to rejoice. Hey, Jesus, you, can, you guys got to develop a real fun relationship with the Lord. When I'm with him, and he tells me, that I just talk to him. I don't, I don't put on my seminary mode, my doctor mode, God. Dear God, thus saith thou to me, can you make us thou a little more explainable? Because I'm hard of hearest, my hearing. I just say, God, what are you talking about? What does that mean? How do I relate? What does that mean to me in the real world? And so you're going through suffering. You've got to remember what the book said. Get with Jesus. He'll be with you. You said, Jesus, now you told, me to, this, you told me to rejoice. It's going to be a little difficult to rejoice. It's going to hurt a little bit in my flesh. But Jesus, I make a purpose. I'm going to share in your sufferings. In the name of Jesus, I am blessed in Jesus' name. And I'm rejoicing. Though there be no fig tree on the, or whatever, fruit on the vine and fig tree, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord my God. You remember that? You better learn this stuff now. You ain't going to learn it then. You think you're going to get a final, you're going to cram for the final exam. No, you're going to say, I wish I had... I wish my pastor had preached out of the book of Revelation. You're going to say, I wish I'd read the Bible every day. I wish I'd have remembered, memorized more scriptures than what I have so that I could recount them and remember them and stand upon them. Does that make sense? 
Well, we know you won't be tolerated. Did they tolerate Jesus? What did he say? If they hated me, they will hate you. If they don't hate you, then that should be your question. Remember the rage. Oh, good. It's just, it's not much after 12. You guys still with me? Because we're going to wrap it up. But remember, a lot of these things, it's just like they all, all of a sudden start fitting together. But remember Psalm chapter 2, the nations are raging, plotting vain things. It's happening right now. They're plotting all kinds of vain things. Because they're not going to eventually accomplish their goal. They may temporarily, they have a short time. And they're going to deceive a lot of people ultimately. That's what I read. But it will ultimately fail miserably. But it says that when this is happening, their rage is against two groups. Well, God and then another group of people. Who are the people? You and me. His anointed. Say, I'm his anointed. Now, that's a messianic text also. Jesus is the anointed. But we are sons of God. We're not the son of God. But we're sons and daughters of God, right? Join heirs. We know that. They've taught us that well. They tried to teach us that well anyway. So we understand. But there's a war. There's a rage against you if you carry the name of Jesus. And blessed are you if that's the case. Now Jezebel influenced the church to tolerate or compromise with what God had already defined as sin. Oh, I know the other word. Somebody may have, may have said, said it. Inclusiveness. They're real inclusive. That's another way to say you can do whatever you want to do. Every man does what's right in his own eyes and don't judge. No way. Jesus already judged. You've got to follow the script. There is sin. There is that which is Good, and there's that which is evil. Right? That's you and me. We're supposed to point that out. Not in a condemning way. You just say, wait, that's evil. But this is the good. And God is good for showing you the good. So that you can find salvation. Well, anyway, let's get on. Another purpose of Jezebel was to comply with the customs and the mandates of the Roman religion along with the practices of the manufacturing corporate trade that was happening in Thyatira because they were known for their great trade to the world and their business practices. You study this out. It was really an early form of corporate fascism where the corporations and the businesses enforced the mandates of the false religion. And they had to compromise. You would lose your job if you did not. Because every trade guild is what they called. They were like trade unions. And if you were a part of that trade union, you had to participate in the worship of their false god, their demonic entity. Every trade union had their own false god. And if you didn't bow to their false god, guess what would happen? You would lose your job. You would be excommunicated. You could not make a living. You'd have to find another way. But you would not be allowed to continue in if you didn't, man- if you didn't follow the dictates and the mandates of that, whatever it was. Now you tell me that's not happening today. 
And I just want to remind you of what Jesus said. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange? There was enormous pressure in that day. There's enormous pressure in this day. This is leading to the mark of the beast. I promise you, it is happening. I'll show you one day. Everything about the beast system is being played out in real time in the year 2021. Will it take another 100 years, 10 years, 50, two weeks? Two weeks? You know what I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? When somebody starts giving you the exact time, that's when you need to, you know, you, man, you don't know. There's some things he's reserved, the exact time, but we do know the times and seasons. And we can't back off of that. But in that day, they could compromise and they'd keep their job, but they would participate in the satanic pagan worship. And they would, when they would go to these feasts where they ate of these things, the food that had been devoted to that patron deity. Things sacrificed to idols. So they would get their food, but it was food that was sacrificed to an idol. And Lord, you're going to have to give us some more understanding in all this. And He will. But those who refused and they stood strong, guess what they would receive? Guess what the reward was called? The morning star. Those who endured and said no to the mandates of hell and said yes to the mandate of heaven would receive the morning star. I think all this foreshadows where we are. Why did he put it in the book? He put it in there because we're going to need to know what the manual says. You say, but I want, I want to save my life. If you save, he said, if anyone desires to save his life, he will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Is that what he said? That's what he said. We all have some of the same questions. He's not going to give us the whole story in one, one hour and 15 minute message. Because we couldn't handle it. But I want to pray that whatever we were supposed to hear individually. Because I always believed that you could walk into a meeting like this. And you may not even heard one word that the guy up front had to say. But the Holy Spirit said something to you you needed to hear. So whatever He's saying to you, that's what we want to respond to. That makes sense? I've been there before when I was dreaming about something else the whole time. Thinking about making that tackle, you know, when I played football or something. Then right at the end, the Holy Spirit starts speaking. So Lord, that's what we need right now. We need to hear what the truth is. We need to know the truth. Because the truth is what sets us free and keeps us free. 
But whether we understood everything with our mind, God, I thank you, we heard things in our spirit that the Holy Spirit will use to convict us and draw us to that place of, of decision and that place of commitment this morning. And I pray for that, that the Holy Spirit would make real that which you are speaking to your people. God, we would say these days are awfully strange, but you said don't think it's strange concerning all these fiery trials. And God, to be honest, we would just assume they not be so fiery. But they are, and we thank you for them, Lord. And we thank you that we get to partake in Christ's sufferings. We get to demonstrate. And we get to be a people that not only said we were washed in the blood, but by the word of our testimony. Our actual life gave testimony that we were followers of the Lord Jesus. And when given that choice, we chose not even to love our lives, even unto death. And I thank you, God, that you are dividing the wheat from the tares. Because this is harvest time. And I pray, Lord, for those that are in this room, God, those that are watching. Lord, I know that Lord, there are decisions that have to be made. And I'm asking God for the grace of God, that's the wisdom of God. I'm asking for help from heaven like we've never known before. I'm asking for an invasion from heaven. You are the Lord of hosts, the God of heaven's armies. And I ask you, God, for heaven's armies on behalf of your people to help them to stand in this hour and to represent you regardless of the cost. And I pray you give them wisdom on individual decisions and how to maneuver in these days. Lord, they'll not be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, but they'll be rooted and grounded. And I thank you, God. You said to remind them, though they're in the world in this hour, and it really is happening, the things that are happening are real, but they're not of this world. And they will discover that what is in them is greater than he that is in this world. And God will show himself. He is the faithful creator. Just like you said in that scripture in 1 Peter. The faithful creator. Lord, we've never been this way before. But you have. And you know the end from the beginning. And I thank you. We can sign on the dotted line. At the bottom, though we do not know everything that may come, we know the one who will come, and we know he is our victor. And we are convinced that Christ the victor is coming for a glorious, victorious church, a bride that has made herself ready for the bridegroom. And he will be beaming when he sees the bride that is being prepared in these days. And I thank you, Lord, that I get to be a part of it. And I thank you, everyone in this room can also, and those that are watching. 
Now, Lord, we also know the rest of the story. We know there will be a time that even the saints of God will be overcome. But we thank you there will be a day when Satan and all of his wrath will be tossed into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Every demon and dominion, Jezebel, Leviathan, every spiritual power and darkness, every disease, every lie and scheme and plan of man, the one who did steal and kill and destroy, he will be tossed forever into torment. And I thank you, Lord, that we will be on the victory side. And whether it's the second inning or the fourth inning or the eighth or the ninth, and we're right at the end, we know the final score. And I thank you, Lord. I ask you to convince everyone in this room that they're on the winning team. Not to be discouraged. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You may lose it all, but what you gain for eternity, the glory that is to come, that the sufferings of now will not even begin to compare with the glory which shall be revealed and I thank you for it with all my heart, Lord. And we thank you, God, there are no experts in this hour. You're the expert. And we're the sheep that hear your voice. And another voice we will not follow. I declare that over these. They will not follow. And I thank you for your keeping power. You said... Whatever we commit unto you, you will keep against that day. Well, Lord, if this is not that day, I don't know when it will be. And so I commit every one of these. I commit their children. I commit my children. I commit our families. I commit, Lord, our nation to you and the nations. And I trust in you to keep us and to keep what we've committed to you. And that you are a faithful creator. And you are a faithful God. In Jesus name.